going on? You're listening to the Nighttime Show podcast, and man, oh, man, we are live, 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 live from San Diego Comic-Con with one of the hottest damn interviews I think we've ever done ever. I think this is an interview that could have only happened at Comic-Con. Yes. Like, I I don't think we would have made this happen were we not there. Yeah, it's pretty insane. I got to meet our guest the night before we did the interview uh, through David Dirks. He mm-hmm. made the the introduction. Uh, David Dirks is the vice president of production at, at uh, Viacom mm-hmm. and, a, and a dear friend of the show. And he's also one of the heads of ASIFA, which we got to work with uh, as well down at, at San Diego. And um, it, it, meeting Michael Uslan was one of those things where you're like, oh, my God, like this guy, this guy basically changed history like there's yeah there's really few every once in a while we'll have someone on the show where you're like oh you know you were a part of history mm-hmm. sure a part of history is one thing yeah. but changed history is a completely different thing and this man really did that he he when ba- you look back at people who really changed the landscape of entertainment in some way it's uh-huh. like i think you look at michael uslan that we've had on the show i think our interview with bill duke is somebody who did that absolutely uh, certainly um you know so people like that who really made their mark and you don't know their name necessarily yeah but you've seen his work oh yeah and you would not be watching any of the movies you're watching today were it not for michael uslan yeah he changed uh, the landscape when it came to Batman, mm-hmm. um, and what you're going to learn by listening to and this comic interview. book movies in general. Yeah, comic book, yeah, no, you're totally right. Yeah, and he continues to do it. He continues mm-hmm. to do it. Um, you know, and and all because of some of uh, stubbornness mm-hmm. and from a, from childhood, and we get to hear all of that. So yeah. I'm not going to ruin any of it. Just listen to it right now. It's going to blow your mind. Yeah. Live from the Legion M Fan Lounge, it's the nighttime show at San Diego Comic-Con 2019. With us, our very special guest, the originator and executive producer of the Batman franchise, Michael Uslan. With us, as always, Matt Walker, Mike Glazer, and I'm the voice of the nighttime show, Mike Black. And now our host, whose parents weren't murdered in an alley, but they own a very nice zoo. Put your hands together for Stephen Kramer Glickman. Yeah. yeah, we're live, baby. We are live in the from. I liked how you said that. We're live from the Bat Cave. We are <laughs> yes. live from the Bat Cave, folks. Um, this is such an honor, Michael. Like I, I don't get freaked out very often when I'm meeting somebody. You get freaked out all the time. I get but freaked not over out all the people. time, but not over meeting people. I get freaked out about other, other stuff like, uh, oh God, did I bring my pills? <laughs> my pills! You know, but not uh, but not meeting people. Usually, uh, whatever. But the other night, we were at a party. We were at this party, and, uh, and David Dirks, a dear friend of mine, said, uh, Oh, did you know that's Michael Uslan over there? And I go, oh, God. Oh, my God. How do we even talk and just say things? You've created such, you've created so much entertainment for this world. There's so much amazing stuff that you've done. Um, it, it's, a, it's such an honor to have you on the show. Well, thanks so much. You know, this is my 55th annual Comic-Con. Whoa! <laughs> so what you boys might not know is that before there was San Diego. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was New York Comic-Con. Okay. And the first Comic-Con ever held on the planet Earth was July 1964 in a flea bag hotel in New York City. <laughs> that probably was magnificent the weekend of Lincoln's inauguration, but <laughs> yeah. by 1964, not so much. 200 of us showed up for the first Comic-Con. 
Wow. There were 197 boys and three brave girls. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole idea of a Comic-Con was conceived by a high school singer. Mm -hmm. His name was Bernie Bubness, and Bernie wore a black leather jacket. He had chains. I was scared to death. I thought I was going to be knifed at my first <laughs> Comic-Con. But you got to give him and his associates credit because when it came time for Saturday night, it's what do you do with like 197 guys and three girls? Let's just tell everyone to come dressed up in a costume as their favorite superhero, and we'll give out prizes. Mm -hmm. That was the night cosplay was born. Wow. And I was there in a costume my mom helped me make. What was your costume? 1940 DC Sandman. Oh, oh wow. Whoa. The gas yeah. mask and everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you ever oh, hear wow. of um, the magazine back from the 60s and 70s? It was called Castle of Frankenstein. Yes. Castle of Frankenstein covered this first con. Wow. And they took my picture. And my picture as a 13-year-old kid dressed up as Sandman <laughs> wow. was in that magazine. Wow. That's amazing. That really is just a wonderful thing to be part of history that way. Now, even insane. even at that time, that was a deep cut character. Yeah. How many of the two hundred people there recognized who you were? Two hundred. I mean, we oh, were, oh, oh, so they oh, were very we hardcore, were die hard. You got to understand, okay. and I have to set it in the context of the times. This was the beginnings of the real organization of comic book fandom. Okay. As well as the first Comic Con, and there were no computers, there was no social media. So when I was a kid growing up in the 50s and 60s, collecting comic books was singularly the most alienating oh, hobby yeah. you could have. Mm -hmm. right. I didn't even know there was anyone else on the planet Earth besides me who was so into comic books until I met my friend Bobby in fifth grade. Wow. And then we learned there were these things called fanzines that were starting out. Mm -hmm. And I learned that from the letter columns, from Stan's letter column in Fantastic Four 16. Yes. The mad thinker and his awesome <laughs> android, who absolutely was not uh, awesome. You won't no. see him yeah. in a Marvel movie. No. Yeah. Um, but that's how it all really began. So we were all into it, and together we had to try to uncover, like archaeologists, what the history of the industry was, the, who the creators were, how these comic book superheroes were, were, were formed, and how come the artwork in one Batman signed by Bob Kane did not look like the artwork <laughs> in another Batman signed by Bob Kane? Yeah. These were the mysteries of life that it was left to us initially <laughs> to solve. Yeah. And you did it, too. Yes, like most did. of them have been solved. Now, this was after the whole 50s scare, correct? The, like, Friedrich Wortham and the seduction of the innocent. This was the very, very beginning of leading the path out. We were oh, like okay. Moses leading the children of Israel into the <laughs> desert. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, when Frederick Wortham wrote Seduction of the Innocent, yeah. he accused comic books of being the primary cause of the post-World War II rise of juvenile delinquency in America. Oh and God. adults... Parents, teachers, educators, clergymen, they ate it up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you can actually see photos. There were comic book burnings in different cities around America. It was scary, yeah. Eerily oh. re reminiscent of Germany in the 30s. Oh, my yeah. God. Um, Wortham even claimed the comic books caused asthma because children were staying indoors <laughs> to read them instead of playing in the fresh air. <laughs> wow. And, and that's what we faced. And actually, yeah. boys, mm -hmm. yes. that explains the inexplicable. As I, as I speak at Comic-Con, mm -hmm. everybody goes, now, wait a minute. You bought the rights to Batman from DC Comics when you were a kid in your 20s? That's impossible. That's unfathomable. It yeah. can't possibly happen. But only if you understand the context of the times. Yeah. Because back then, when I did buy the rights to Batman, 
society was still looking down their nose at these comic books and their creators. Right. Um, people in the industry were very effete. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I was the only one who showed up. <laughs> and that's how I yeah. got the rights to Batman. Wow. Oh, my God. So, that I mean, is but incredible. When you got that, I mean, they'd done the Superman movie, hadn't they, with Christopher Reeve? Yep. And that was sort of a big hit and a, a sort of a, a, I mean, they made five sequels or whatever it was that. Yeah. Um, so, like, they had some knowledge that superhero films could be profitable. No, they no, just, they no, didn't no, have any no, concept? Nope, nope, nope. No. Again, let's go back in the... Now, this is a secret, so let's just keep it amongst us, okay? okay? okay. No, just I appreciate it, please. Yeah. So even the hierarchy... Please at speak sp- into the microphone while you're telling us this secret. Oh, yes, that too. <laughs> yes. So um, the hierarchy at some of the studios believed there was absolutely no value in any comic book character, Marvel <laughs> or DC, except Superman. Yeah. Okay. And everything was concentrated on Superman as the only property capable of being turned into mm-hmm. a major motion picture with merchandising and everything. Wow. Now, there was some... Let's talk about Batman. Yeah. yeah. Batman had his shot in 66, 67, 68. Which I love that show. I still yeah. watch it to this day. The Adam West era Batman. They show sure. it on Heroes oh, of Icons. we'll get and, into that yeah. in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at that time, they said Batman had no value. So when I went in to buy the rights to DC, the president of DC at the time was a a beloved man in my life. Mm -hmm. He was the one who had mentored me into the comic book industry. His name was Saul Harrison. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when I went to Saul, I said, Saul, I want to buy the rights to Batman. I want to make dark and serious Batman movies and show the world, unlike 1966, he's not a joke. He's not somebody you laugh at. But that I want to show the way he was created in 1939 by Bill Finger and Bob Kane is this creature of the night mm-hmm. who stalks really disturbed villains in the shadows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Saw said, Michael, 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 please don't do this. <laughs> he said, I don't want to see you lose all your money. He says, wow. don't you understand? And guys, this is a direct quote. Since Batman went off the air in television, the brand is as dead as a dodo nobody's interested in Batman anymore. Wow. wow. So I said, but Saul, if I make a dark and serious Batman movie, nobody's ever done that. Nobody's ever seen anything yeah. like it. It'll yeah. almost be like we're creating a new form of entertainment. And he said, Michael, is there any way I can talk you out of this? <laughs> and I Damn. said, no. And his response was, another quote, okay, schmoozle, come on in. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Wow. Can we ask what the number was at that time? Sure you can ask. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What What was the number at that time that it closed? (laughs) 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 But if you figure 1979, it was expensive. Now, you add 40 years to that in terms of inflation, I can't even begin to imagine how much money that actually was. Right. So from the time that you got the rights to Batman to the time that you made your first Batman film, the first... The, the 1989 classic. Took you 10 years. That's 10 years. 10 yeah. years of producing. So, yeah. No, 10 years of a human endurance contest. <laughs> 10 years of being rejected by every single studio wow. in Hollywood, mm-hmm. being told I suck, that mm-hmm. it's the worst idea they ever heard, <laughs> and repeatedly, over and over yeah. again, Michael, you're crazy. You can't do 
serious comic book movies. Wow. You're nuts. You can't do dark superheroes. You're out of your mind. Nobody's ever made a movie out of an old TV series that is not done. Yeah. Ten No, that's all they years. do. Yeah. How, how does that tide turn? How do you turn the... Like, the, uh, how, how does something like that happen? Like, because that... If you're up against it that hard, uh, can I can I make a, a guess at maybe what may have turned the tide? And this is just a guess. Uh, there was a project you were involved with that it, that did change the landscape of the industry. It, uh, it 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 rocketed to earth and and changed everything as far as people could tell. And uh, still to this day, people feel the the ricochet effect from that film. People are still trying to get involved. In the industry, because of it to this day, I'm, I'm talking about Dino Saucers. Oh. <laughs> now, was Dino Saucers... I'm just joking when I say that. But you did. You did create a series called Dino Saucers. I an animated created, series. Yes. What, did did that help in any way? Or was... I know at the same, uh, same time, around the same time, you got involved with Swamp Thing as well. So did... Did that start to build trust that you knew what you were oh, doing? No, or? no, but it got me across the finish line because uh, if I could tell a story here. Please. Yeah. So 10 years. All right, 10 years of trying to hang on by my fingertips. My dad was a stonemason. My okay. mom was a bookkeeper. I did not come from money. I am a blue-collar right. Jersey boy. And I ha- now had a baby son. I had my first mortgage. Oh, my God. And I had to figure out... I don't know how long this has taken, but somehow I got to figure a way not to pay next month's bills, to pay next week's bills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had to come up with something that could bring in some cash and tide me over till I could get Batman across the finish line. Right. And the savior for me was creating Dinosaucers, which ran for five years. Um, Dinosaucers, by the way, I don't know if you if you know Dinosaucers, uh, uh, but this was a, a show about dinosaurs that crashed to Earth, right? And then the uh, omnivores are, are basically right are uh, are like the good guys, and they're f- they're f- good and friendly with the human beings. And then the carnivores are like the eve they're evil, and then they like they fight each other. <laughs> and P- and kids, as you know, fucking love dinosaurs. Dinosaurs so, in yeah. outer space. Dinosaurs yeah. in outer space is a solid combo. And people stole there like throughout throughout the rest of time, people have stolen that concept. Of of dinosaurs being like fighting each other and stuff. I mean, there was uh, Dino Riders, Dino Bots, yeah, Transformers. Now I have two things to say. Please. First of all, about dinosaurs, um, my dear friend, my mentor, my idol, Stan Lee, mm-hmm. yeah. always said, Michael, when you see an opening to get a plug in, you plug your book or you plug your thing. Yeah. Um, I just yesterday did a book signing here of my new graphic novel, Dinosaurs, Reptilon. <laughs> what? From Lion Forge. Oh, and my it, God. It has given me an opportunity to totally modernize and mm-hmm. update Dinosaucers. And okay. i got to wow. be careful what I say. And I've never said anything public. And I can't say anything public. But stay tuned for a major announcement. Oh, that's very Ooh. exciting. That's so cool. Steven very cool. is more excited than I've seen him in I'm months. A big, I'm actually a big Dinosaurs yeah. fan. That's from my childhood. I yeah. grew up watching that show on TV. Yeah. Now, so. you know my son, David, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember the four secret scouts and Dinosaurs? Yeah, of course. David, Sarah, my daughter, mm-hmm. Paul, my brother, mm-hmm. and Ryan, my cousin. 
Oh, I love that. That makes me. That's, that's now, nice. Uh, when you bought the rights to Batman, you said 1979. You acquired the rights to to DC's catalog. Is that correct? All to, of DC to, or to Batman? To I mean, just Batman. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now the Justice League cartoon that we saw in the early 80s was that somehow related, or is that a separate project that was like they were off making? Justice League with Superman and the and yeah, all them. They, they they were doing their Justice League thing and they got uh, yeah I felt like the Pope we gave a dis they had a dispensation from mm -hmm. the Pope to include Batman in that or Robin and <laughs> right. Teen okay. Titans or whatever yeah yeah okay so now you get the rights in 1979 you're like I'm gonna make a dark Batman movie it takes yep. you ten years during that time you know you arrive on Michael Keaton being Batman at that time but I imagine in that could, in that 10-year span, there were other people that you had in mind at various points of saying, this should be my Batman. Who were some of those people that you might have actually gone out and maybe even had attached to the project? Are there any people that you're able to mention that could have been Batman? I so hate to shatter everyone's illusions mm -hmm. uh -huh. and everybody's machinations as to what was. But in reality, from the beginning, we said, we're going to get an unknown to play Batman. Mm -hmm. Because it's Bruce Wayne, it's yeah. Batman who's the star. It's not about Tom Cruise as Batman. Mm -hmm. It's right. about Batman. Yeah, yeah. And um, we thought Dick Donner was tremendously successful with Chris Reeve, mm -hmm. and yeah. we could do the same thing. And that changed radically. And <laughs> yeah. the, the day came. It was. I remember this distinctly. It was the beginning of Memorial Day weekend, 1980. Mm -hmm. I'm in New York City. I get the afternoon paper, and I get a bus heading back to New Jersey. I open the movie section, what do I see? Two big movies are opening up. One's called The Empire Strikes Back. Mm -hmm. okay. The other is a horror film called The Shining. Yeah. Okay. And I'm looking at the newspaper and I see this picture of Jack Nicholson that looks completely maniacal, peering yes. around yeah. a doorway. And it's in black and white yeah. print. In black right. and white print, and yeah. it's now very iconic. They call it the Here's Johnny shot. Yes. yes. I go, oh my God, this is the Joker. And yeah. I tore it out of the newspaper. As soon as I got home, I ran to my desk and I took white out. Are you guys old enough to remember white yeah, out? Oh, yeah, of course. So I whited out Jack's face. I took a red pen and I did Draw his lips. lips. Uh, I took a green magic marker, I did his hair, and uh -huh. I showed that to everybody and said, Jack Nicholson is the only actor who could play the Joker. Uh -huh. Wow. So imagine my thrill. It was the highlight of my career the day he was hired. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe 10 days later. One of the great production executives from over there, Michael Bestman, calls me and says, uh, Michael, what do you think of Tim Burton's new idea about Batman? I go, what mm -hmm. do you mean? He goes, Michael Keaton as Batman. So I said, very funny. Yeah. Yeah. I said, we've been at this now seven and a half years. Mr. Let's Mom. just get a comedian to do yeah. it. Yeah. Did you have Tim Burton yeah. attached at that point? Tim became attached in 86. Okay, yeah. And that's what was the game changer. Yeah. And we'll get back to that because it's Tim Burton, that genius who deserves all the credit, mm -hmm. all the accolades. And well, because at that time, Michael Keaton was doing stand-up at the comedy store. He was doing gung-ho. He was Mike, doing... Mike Black performs at the comedy store a lot. Yeah. 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 And well, his yeah. name is in neon on the wall when you walk in. Yeah, I mean, he had done some comedy films. Yeah. Johnny um, Dangerously and uh, that sort of was thing. That, was that... Bef I, that I've, was prior to Batman. Okay, yeah. I, I've, and, I've lost uh, track of it. So... Um, and in I fact, that like that same year, he did the Dream Team. Oh, I remember yeah. that one. So yeah. <clears throat> oh wow. So when I heard this, and they finally convinced me they weren't just playing a joke mm -hmm. on me, I was apoplectic. Yeah. So I, I went to talk to Tim, and that moment in time was when Tim explained to me his big idea. Yeah. And it's this uh -huh. one big idea 
that would not only result in Batman Batman 89 being so revolutionary Mm -hmm. that it would change Hollywood and in fact change the world's perception of comic books and superheroes. It literally impacted the world culture. Hey, Matt, what are you watching on TV these days? Uh, Lately, I've been watching a lot of astronomy videos on YouTube. Astronomy videos? Yeah. Why are you watching astronomy videos on YouTube? I like space. Well, if you like space, then you're going to love Bliss Lights. Mm -hmm. Bliss Lights is absolutely amazing. Um, They have this thing called the Skylight, and it is a laser light show that you put in your living room. Mm -hmm. It shines up on the ceiling, and then basically you have the whole universe just shining right above you. You don't have to watch TV to look at the stars in the sky. You don't have to go camping to look out at galaxies. You can literally sit in your living room and watch the skylight from Bliss Lights. That sounds amazing. It is amazing. These are the guys who do the laser light shows for all the theme parks, and now you get to have a laser light show in your living room. All you have to do is go to blisslights.com. That's blisslights.com. I'm talking about blisslights.com. This is the, like, it's like, forget a nightlight, all right? You got mm-hmm. a nightlight for your kids? Throw that in the trash, okay? <laughs> this right here is the next level, and it is absolutely incredible. Go to blisslights.com. We're talking about blisslights.com. Oh, and use promo code NIGHTTIME for 10% off your order. That's N-I-G-H-T-T-I-M-E for 10% off. Come on. Go use it right now. Blisslights.com. All right. Let's get back to the show. Absolutely. So he said to me, Michael, first of all, Michael Keaton is a tremendous serious actor. And Mm -hmm. the studio set up a screening for me of the rough cut of a movie called Clean and Sober. Yeah. Yeah. With Morgan Freeman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I come out of that. I go, I take it all back. Mm -hmm. I take it back. But, Tim... He's my height. Yeah. Yeah. He's not mus- muscular. Yeah. And yeah. for God's sake, he does not have a square jaw sure. that Batman yeah. has. And Tim said to me, you know, going from one medium to another, a square jaw does not a Batman make. Mm-hmm. And he said, Michael, if we are going to make this movie in a way that we won't get unintentional laughs from the audience who have never seen a serious mm-hmm. superhero. Right. When he puts on the Batman costume, we do you agree with me? He said that we can no longer have an unknown do it because Jack yeah. Nicholson will wipe the screen yeah, with absolutely, the guy. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I agree. He said so. All right, think of who our quote unquote serious stars are today Harrison Ford, Kevin mm-hmm. Costner, Dennis Quaid. He goes, As a director, I do not know how to show them getting into a bat suit without getting unintentional laughs yeah. from a mainstream audience. Yeah, he says, But I'll tell you this, and he had just now done Beetlejuice mm-hmm. with Michael Keaton, right. He goes, here's the thing. If we're going to do this new type of movie and want audiences to take us serious, this movie will not be about Batman. And my jaw dropped. Mm -hmm. And my heart, I think, stopped until he finished Mm -hmm. his sentence. He said, this movie must be about Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. Boys, that's the game changer. Yeah, I mean, go right. to, go to Iron totally Man right. movies. Yeah. The yep. Iron Man it's movies should be titled Tony Stark. Tony Stark. Go yeah. to the Spider-Man movies. They should be Peter Parker. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And it all started with that big idea. So mm-hmm. uh, Tim then said, I can cheat height. I can carve musculature into a costume. He said, it's got to be about showing a driven, obsessed mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne to the point of being psychotic where audiences will suspend their disbelief and go, yeah. 
that guy would get dressed that up as a dangerous. bat. That guy's dangerous. Yeah. And that was the key. Yeah. So th- there was a corollary to Tim's big idea. The other thing he said to me, from the opening frames of this movie, we must make audiences believe in Gotham City. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It must be the third most important character in the piece, or else if they don't believe in Gotham, they will never buy a guy in a bat suit fighting a guy like the Joker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I contend... Every single genre movie, including coming up this weekend, since 1989, you can still see it today. It's influenced by Tim Burton's vision. Yep. Mm-hmm. They are influenced by my dear friend Anton First, our production designer, yeah. you know, who won the Academy Oscar that Award year. Award winning. Yeah. yeah. They're influenced by his designs of Gotham City and the Batmobile. They are influenced by the musical notes of Danny Elfman. You can still yeah. hear them resonating, whether mm-hmm. it's Hans Zimmer or anyone yeah. else. And oh, yeah. I, and I still, admit it. Yeah. I still admit think it. it's his best soundtrack yeah. ever. You know. So when, Sorry. When, I, you, you can't, you can't <laughs> mention it without thinking it. Yeah. That's the, it's the fucking greatest. Yeah, do the Prince Bat Dance. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm doing it. For those listening, I'm doing the Bat Dance. So, um, so what sorry. happens in so the media, sorry. though, is... It's the 30th anniversary that yeah. we're celebrating of Batman 89. Yeah. yeah. And they start asking me questions about the box office success. And sure, we broke every box office mm-hmm. records practically. That's not the importance of it 30 years out. No. The importance is the impact it had on the culture of the world as well as Hollywood. Yeah, it artistically well, changed the way films are made. It did. Yeah. yeah. yeah absolutely. And you mentioned Stanley earlier, and we were fortunate enough to go to the Stanley Memorial where I met you. Yeah. Uh, very briefly, I don't know if you recall, but I talked to you about how Batman has influenced people since the 89 Batman is a completely different thing than how it influenced people before because now you're having entire generations that are introduced to the character by going with their parents to the movies. That was my original you know? pitch. I said, this will be the kind of movies that parents and grandparents can share with children and grandchildren. It'll be new and exciting for the kids and nostalgic and exciting for the parents and grandparents. And talk about putting kids in the seat of a character. They're literally, when you get to the origin of the character who went with his parents to the movies, you know, it adds so much resonance to this little kid's imagination of, oh, God, if this went horribly wrong, I would have to do this, right. you know? Yeah. And that leads us to back mm-hmm. to your comment about the 66 TV yeah. show. Because the secret origin of the mm-hmm. Batman movie franchise began a cold night in January 1966. Mm-hmm. I'm a hardcore comic book fan. I'm a teenager. Yeah. I'm a hardcore Batman fan. Mm-hmm. I know the whole history of this. Yeah, sure. And I was waiting for months for this show to come on the air. Mm-hmm. And it opens up. There's animation. I go, oh, that looks like Jerry Robinson and Bob yeah. Kane work. Yeah. Oh, it's in color. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're spending a lot of money on the sets. That's pretty extravagant. Yep. Oh, the car is cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 20 minutes in, <laughs> I realized, oh, my God, this is a comedy. Yeah. yeah. They are making Batman a joke. Mm-hmm. The right. whole world is laughing at Batman. And that killed me guys it killed me mm-hmm. now i know oh my you know God. you saw it from a whole different yeah. prism yeah. yeah but i'm in my basement den watching this and that night at the end of that first show i made a vow to i made a vow batman i made a vow mm-hmm. like young bruce wayne yes. once <laughs> yeah. wow. he made his over the slaughtered body of his parents <laughs> and my parents were safe in the kitchen upstairs yeah. but i said 
somehow, someday, I have got to show the world the true mm-hmm. Batman. The yeah. one created in 1939 by Bill Finger and Bob Kane, the yes. creature of the night. And I've got to figure out a way now to erase these three little words, pow, zap, and wham, mm-hmm. from the collective <laughs> consciousness of the wow. world culture. Yeah. And that's the night this dream began. Wow. Um, but what do you do when you're a blue-collar kid sitting in New Jersey, you don't know anyone in Hollywood, and you have no relatives in Hollywood, and you don't have much money? What do you do? Yeah. yeah. There's only two things you can do. Follow your passion. Mm-hmm. Number two, get up off the goddamn couch <laughs> and be yeah. proactive and look yeah. for any narrow crack in the door you can throw your foot into. And if there's anything I've learned in the 10 years it took us to get this Batman movie done, it's this. And I, I guarantee every college student Comic-Con audience I speak to, when you get out of school, doors will slam in your face. Oh, I guarantee it, yeah. and I promise it. What I learned is when that happens, you only have two choices. You go home and cry about it, or you pick yourself up, mm-hmm. dust yourself off, go back and knock again, knock again, knock again. And the Batman movie franchise was built on my bloody knuckles. Yeah. And that's the bottom line. Can you make your dreams come true? Of course you can. Is it easy? No. No way. Is it It may take 10 years. Quick? No, it could yeah. take a lifetime. Yeah. yeah. But if you've got the passion and you're willing to make the commitment like Bruce Wayne made a commitment to get the guy who did this to his parents to get all the bad guys even if he had to walk through hell for the rest of his life, that was the course I chose to take. And the culmination for, for me, if I could tell you a story that I haven't really... Please, mm-hmm. of course. I love that line, by the way, of walking through hell for the rest of his life, because that's exactly what he does. It is mm-hmm. what he does. And uh, I've never it heard it put years. that way, you know, but that's so I, beautifully ten, put. Ten years and another couple of years at the era when the studio was doing Batman and Robin and Catwoman. Catwoman, yes. So, uh, yeah. Oh, and you, I know that you had to be involved... You had to still be around. I can't talk about it. This was the lowest point in my life. Just to understand, at the end of the day, always... We fixed it for you. Those, you with, the, those with the money make final decisions. Yeah. And Ben said to me, Michael, if what you say is true, they're going to get nipped. And if they get nipped, next time they'll want to go your way with the real dark and serious. Yep. Mm-hmm. So if that pain and suffering could lead one day to Christopher Nolan and yeah, genius, yeah. seriously, in retrospect, Absolutely. it's worth all the pain and suffering 100%. that you have to endure. Yeah. Which it really is because those movies, which you were also a part of, Dark Knight and uh, and, and, and uh, those, Batman Begins, Batman Begins, which are Dark Knight gorgeous, Rises, gorgeous, yeah. beautiful movies. So I, I feel like just uh, some of the best films ever made, like it, it, it feels like it's worth it to to have to go through the. I feel like it mu- must have to feel worth it oh, to it, have to go through that nonsense. It absolutely does. And once again, let me state categorically: all the credit and accolades for that goes right to the genius Christopher Nolan. Mm-hmm. Right. Chris raised the bar for yeah. all of us. Because when you walked out of a Chris Nolan Batman movie, you no longer had to say, that was a great comic book movie. You can now say, that was a great film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And oh, that's yeah. where the bar moved up. Well, um, I went to see, you remember the promotion with the Will Smith movie 
where they would show you the first five minutes, the bank yes. sequence. I went to that, and I didn't even see the Will Smith movie. Just I left. just I left as soon as that was over. I was like, that's all I needed to see. I cannot <laughs> wait to see this movie. Well, know? we can talk about the Batman 89 trailer and the importance of it. And oh, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm going to be now, screening remember, it tonight. I saw that with Beaches. I remember the movie. Yeah. I saw it before. Now, I remember in 89, wasn't there sort of like a big hype that summer where they were like, is it going to be Batman or is it going to be Sylvester Stallone as Cobra, which is going to be the king of the box office? <laughs> oh, God. And I think we know how that wound up. But, I mean, there was yeah. sort of a lot of talk about, like, these other big franchises, and they were like, Batman... Well, Indiana Jones had a movie that year, yeah. and uh, Ghostbusters 2 was coming out. Let, oh, do we have time? Know. Can I? Oh, we have as much time please, as we want. All right, please, so, go ahead. so let's set the stage. Let me take you back to 1989. Mm-hmm. Matt, you and me are both uh, stand-up comedians, and I know we both uh, say a lot of things that are uh, very offensive on a mm-hmm. regular basis. Do you ever have trouble sleeping at night? Uh, yeah, not because of things I say, though. It's just because I have lousy pillows. Oh, okay. So you don't have like a horrible feeling of guilt sometimes for the Never. awful things. Oh, that, well, that's nice. Never. I'm proud of the horrible things that I say to people. <laughs> that's No, that's good. That's a good way to yeah. be. Sometimes I, uh, I, I do have trouble sleeping, uh, or I did have trouble sleeping mm-hmm. until I got this brand new pillow. What kind of pillow? I mean, this is next level stuff, Matt. This thing, this is a pillow. Uh, you've never seen a pillow like this because uh, until recently it did not exist. It's called the buttress pillow. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is shaped like a butt and it has little legs. And it's a, it's, uh, you got, you're not going to believe this. You got to go check it out. The buttresspillow.com. So it's like your face rests on a butt. Your face is is pressed into a butt crack while the legs support your uh, mm-hmm. your neck and shoulders basically it's, it's, it sounds comfortable. It is very comfortable. Uh, it's ergonomic. Uh, am I saying that right? Er- yes. Ergonomic, uh, functional, all natural, and it's absolutely beautiful. Uh, check this out. This is this is from their website. Um, soft but supportive, with feeling with the feeling of a butt. All right, and the sweet spot is between the thighs and the cheeks, which will gently cradle your head and support your neck. Great for side sleepers, back sleepers, and stomach sleepers. It's squeezable, slappable. Face variable, uh, relieve stress. You know, from having a long, horrible day. You've what? What do you want to do at the end of a long day? Put your head in a butt. That is a hundred percent right. Well, you could dress it up. You can dress it down. You want to throw you, some PJs on it? You convince me. So where do I go get one of these? You go to thebuttresspillow dot com. Thebuttresspillow dot com. That's t h e b u t t r e s s pillow dot com. Go to thebuttresspillow.com, Matt, and uh, get your sleep on. You'll have much better dreams. All right, let's get back to the show. When the fans heard Michael Keaton was going to be Batman in a movie directed by the director of Pee-wee's Big Adventure, <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. there was an uproar, an outcry. I thought they were going to surround the studio with pitchforks and torches. Mm-hmm. And this was before social media. This was all mainstream yeah. Yeah, media. Yeah, pre-internet. It was unbelievable. So... The first trailer had to be rushed out yeah. in an attempt to change the angry perception of fans and, and generally in the world. And that did it. Oh, absolutely. It, it was yeah. the game changer for everything. And the summer of 89, you could not walk 20 steps across Times Square, New York, where somebody wasn't wearing a Batman t-shirt or mm-hmm. a Batman hat. All the skate punk kids, I remember, were huge into it. They were yeah. the ones who started it, and then it just kept going from there. It kept going. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, bus shelters were being broken into the glass shatter. <laughs> yeah. People Still were the getting posters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
movie theaters en masse were reporting people would call movie theaters, ask where is the Batman trailer being shown and when. Yep. They would pay it in full admission, mm -hmm. watch the t trailer <laughs> for three minutes, and then leave and mm -hmm. not watch the feature film. <laughs> yeah. And I contend also that Batman 89 was the best marketed, traditionally marketed movie in the history of cinema. Because yeah. all the initial posters and billboards did not even have the name of the movie on it. Yeah. It yeah. was just, just the, the logo. Bat, June 23rd. And yeah. I love that the, the actual theatrical poster, the symbol was bigger than the sides of the poster. It, it bled out the borders. So, and it was kind of saying, this is bigger than a, a normal movie. Everybody mm -hmm. you know? knew just by looking at that symbol what it yeah. was. Except um, later research showed that 13% of the people did not see a bat sim a black bat symbol in an oval. They saw teeth and tonsils. Yeah. Oh. A yeah, friend of mine thought it was a jack-o'-lantern. He was yeah. like, oh, is that a ha for Halloween or yeah. something? Yeah. Most of those people yeah. were dental hygienists. Yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. So, a, I got to do a quick shout out. Mezco 1989 Batman was just announced today. This is what it looks like. It is, now my uh, black's excited. That's yeah. beautiful. They did uh, uh, his. They got his face, and they just nailed it. So I just wanted to do a little shout out for that because it's a pretty gorgeous, pretty gorgeous piece. Tell and we're, them I want one. I will. <laughs> so we'll, uh, we're interviewing the owner of the company in about a week or two. So I, yeah. I was like, I, I just saw it. Just they just announced it today, and I was like, oh my god! Of all people, I, I, love, yeah. I love, I love this stuff. I'm still fanboy. Mm -hmm. oh, I'm yeah. total fanboy, and. Um, that's actually what I'd like to ask you about because after that 10 years and then the success of the first Batman, now it's an I told you so moment and all of these people that might have said no to you are now like, well, let's do more. We, we have all these big ideas. How does, does that change your drive to make more and more of this franchise in a way because like you, you've succeeded, like you've done something that nobody thought you could do. So how do you keep continue to burn the way that you're burning. Let me relate two anecdotes to you that might help answer this question. The first one is, you know, my partner was Ben Melnicker, who is a legendary figure in the movie industry. He was my dad's age. Yeah. Ben ran MGM in its Tiffany years, and he put to together the deals for Ben-Hur mm -hmm. with Charlton Heston, right. Dr. Zhivago, 2001 oh. A Space Odyssey yeah. with Stanley Kubrick. So some pretty good movies. <laughs> 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 and all these movies. And um, Ben was terrific. So we were, I was pitching my heart out at the final studio, major yeah. studio, and we'd been turned down everywhere. And it was an older guy, been around 25 years, and I get done with the pitch, and he's one of the ones who said, you're nuts, that will not yeah. work, forget it. And they said, look, Michael, you want to do a Batman movie? We'll consider doing a Batman movie with you guys, but it's got to be the pot-bellied, funny Batman with Ooh. all the pals, zaps, and whams, because mm -hmm. that's the only Batman that audiences will remember and love. Mm -hmm. And I said, no way. Yeah. So he sat down in front of me, and he leaned in, and he said, Michael, better to have a movie than no movie at all. And I looked back at him, and I said, no. Yeah. Wow. After this meeting... We were, Ben and I were sitting on a bench on the studio lot, and let me tell you, it was one of my lowest moments ever. The last major studio just, that was Pass, the end of it. Yeah. And Ben turned to me, he says, you know, Michael, it's ironic. The last final no we received came from you. Wow. And then he turned, wow. and then he said to me, you know what you are, Michael? And I said, yeah, Ben, I'm an idiot. <laughs> he says, no, 
you're Batman's Batman. <laughs> mm-hmm. He said, you defend him. Yeah. You protect him. You have a vision for this. So mm-hmm. let's pick ourselves up by the bootstraps and let's march on. And it was that little pep talk yeah. that got me out of that blackness and kept me going. Wow. Um, so that was important. So what? My t- chills. I'm sorry, man. Yeah. That just gave my arm hair chills. <laughs> oh, wow. now, now, what went into, like when you walk into a room with MGM or Warners, whoever you go into, and you're like, I'm going to pitch you Batman. What is your pitch like at that point? Because your only reference points are perhaps Superman the old Batman TV series, and maybe the only one I could think of that was done Flash seriously was, was the Hulk. Was the oh, only yeah. series that had been done sort of in a serious manner, treating the the hero in a way where it's not just a jokey sort of have fun kind of thing. So what do you go in and tell them at that point? Like, because you have to paint a picture in their head of you like this is what we're going to do, and they're not familiar with Batman; they don't know anything about. No, the they are of the Frederick Wortham generation that looked down their nose at comic books. Yeah, That's right. for starters, yeah, and their only thing they know about Batman is Paz Hapwan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was very hard. So I tell the or- the origin story mm-hmm. and how primal yeah. this is. I talk about the villains and how disturbed they are. I talk about Bruce Wayne and the fact here's a kid witnessing his parents' murder who at that moment sacrifices his childhood mm-hmm. in order to do what he needs to do. As a compelling story, I bring with me three sets of Batman comics. Okay. One was from the range of Detective 27 to 38, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. plus Batman 1, which introduced the Joker and Catwoman. Mm-hmm. And then I bring in the Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams mm-hmm. oh, yeah. run from the 70s that restored the darkness to Batman in the right. comics. And the Steve Englehart, Marshall Rogers issues was this highly stylized, romanticized, dark Batman. Mm-hmm. And, I know th- and I learned quickly they still couldn't get it. So a friend of mine and I said, the only way we're going to succeed, we're going to have to write a screenplay. Yeah. Yeah. Not that I specifically intended that this is going to be the one made, but so they could read something and understand it. To see yeah. what it would be. Yeah. So in okay. 1970-whatever, mm-hmm. we wrote, the re- it was called Return of the Batman. Mm-hmm. And it was about a Bruce, and the only ones in it were Bruce Wayne and Alfred. Okay. That okay. you would know. Yeah. It's about terrorism for the first time arriving on the shores of America. Mm-hmm. And wow. Bruce Wayne, who's now 50, is forced bitter and frustrated to come out of retirement and face this new incredible evil. That mm-hmm. sounds really That sounds like a movie familiar. I want to watch now. Well, wait a minute. Yeah. So <laughs> in 1986, yeah. my, my friend Paul Levitz, who became president of DC Comics, said to me, do you remember your script, Return of the Batman? I go, sure I remember it. He goes, did you ever stop to think you did The Dark Knight Returns? 14 years before we put out the graphic novel. Yeah. Yeah. And that's basically, I was like, that sounds really familiar. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. So, so we had to jump through all kinds Mm -hmm. of hoops. We had to be ready with everything. Um, But part of the idea of pitching, you have to be passionate. Yeah. And you have to communicate that passion. You have to be a storyteller. Yeah. And I think I'm a decent storyteller Mm -hmm. and I just went for it all out. Um, it still wasn't enough to get us yeah. across the finish line. And I'll give you this one last anecdote, which relates back to your question. So I'm pitching at this one major studio in particular. And the guy I have to pitch to is not exactly the nicest, sanest guy in the world. Mm-hmm. Hollywood exec. Um, it's 1979. And I pitch. 
And then he looks at me and he goes, Michael, you're crazy. Every other word of it, out of his mouth was a curse word. I'll give you every sure. other yeah. word of this. <laughs> sure. Batman and Robin will never succeed as a movie because the movie that's out now, Robin and Marion, didn't do well. <laughs> Now, uh-huh. for your <laughs> listeners who are not alive in 1979, right. this was a movie about an aging Robin Hood and Maid Marian starring Sean Connery and Audrey mm-hmm. Hepburn. Sure. And I sat there for, I guess it was probably 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I didn't say a word. I picked up my comic books. I stood up and I turned around and I walked out of the room. Yeah. <laughs> now, over the next 10 years... Mm-hmm. Periodically, I would climb a mountain, sit in a lotus position, and ponder what he said to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can only conclude that the studio passed because both movies had the word Robin in it. Yeah. <laughs> it is absolutely wow. the only nexus. Wow. So now it's 10 years later. We're a, maybe 10 days into it, breaking every box office record. My phone rings. It's this guy from 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I put him on speakerphone. My desk is here. Ben's desk is over there. He says, Michael, I'm just calling to congratulate you on the success of Batman. I always said you were a visionary. (laughs) (laughs) Epiphany. If you don't believe them when they tell you you suck and that all your work and ideas are terrible. But then if you don't believe them when they tell you how wonderful you are and how great all your work is and just believe in yourself and what you do, you'll do fine. Can you tell a story, just because it's Comic-Con and you were the first person to ever teach a course in comic books in college, can you tell how you got that course to happen? I actually am going to be telling that tonight. Oh, great. Um, (laughs) Oh, wow. Now, is this going out today? No. Uh, No. Uh, no, Okay, so I don't have to put the plug in. Sorry, Stan. (laughs) Um, It was the early 1970s. Yeah. And Indiana University had started an... uh, a department out of College of Arts and Sciences, which they call the Experimental Curriculum Department. If you had an idea for a college course that had never been taught before yeah. and could get the backing of a department on campus, you then had the right to appear before a panel of uh, a dean and a panel of professors and pitch your course idea. Wow. And if they accepted it, then you could teach it for up to three hours of credit, even though I was just a junior undergrad. Okay. So, saying, well, this is a little door with a crack in it. Mm -hmm. I can put my foot in this. So, I sat down and wrote up a course on comics. Never been one in college. Yeah. I said, comics are a legitimate American art form as indigenous to this country as jazz. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Comic book superheroes are modern day mythology. It's contemporary folklore. The ancient gods of Greece, Rome, and Egypt all still exist today, Mm -hmm. except they wear spandex and capes. Right. So, I went to the folklore department. And thank God, Dr. Henry Glassy, he listened to me. I said, Dr. Glassy, the Greeks called him Hermes. The Romans called him Mercury. I call him the Flash. Yeah. The Greeks called him Poseidon. The Romans called him Neptune. I call him Aquaman. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, you know, Michael, I will back you on this. You're absolutely right. He said, uh, these are still the same stories Mm -hmm. of brave warriors of their day in stories of hope and redemption battling the demons and dragons of their day. Mm-hmm. He said, so it doesn't matter if he's called Ulysses, Moses, Beowulf, um, or Superman. It doesn't matter if it's the Avengers, the Justice League, or King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. It's the same thing. I got gotcha. you. I go in to pitch. 
My hair is down to my shoulders. I'm wearing a Spider-Man T-shirt. <laughs> I got a bunch of Superman and Batman oh. comics under my arm. And I enter this room. It's a dark mahogany conference room with oh. a big conference table. Mm -hmm. I felt like I had just walked into the Justice League secret sanctum. Yeah. Right. Professors around the side. Sitting at the end is the dean. Do you ever see an old person that has a pair of little half glasses on the edge of their yes. nose? Oh, yeah. Okay. So he looks down at me over his glasses and says, so you're the kid who wants to teach a course on funny books at my university? <laughs> I knew I was in deep sh uh, trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I launch into the first pitch of my career. He lets me speak for two minutes and then cuts <laughs> me off. He says, Mr. Useland, stop. He says, come on now. Come on. He goes, comic books is art. <laughs> comic books as mythology give me a break he goes michael i read every issue of superman i could get my hands on when i was a kid but all comic books are at best is cheap entertainment for little children and wow. i reject your theory wow it's a hard no <laughs> hard no and a life-changing moment for me because figuring at that point in time i mean i could have bowed my head mm -hmm. picked up my funny books and left yeah figuring i had absolutely nothing left to lose I stood my ground, and I said, Dean, may I at least ask you just two questions? He said, ask me anything you want. I said, are you familiar with the story of Moses? Mm -hmm. He said, of course. I said, very, very briefly, Dean, could you just summarize for me the story of Moses? And he folded his arms, he sat back in the chair, and he says, Mr. Uslan, I don't know what game you're playing here, but I'll play this with you. Uh -huh. He said, uh, the Hebrew people were being persecuted. Their firstborn were being slain. So a Hebrew couple placed their infant son in a little wicker basket and sent him down the River Nile. There he's discovered by an Egyptian family who raised him as their own son. When he grows up and learns of his true heritage, he becomes mm -hmm. a great hero to his people. I said, stop, Dean. Thank you very, very much. Mm -hmm. You said before you read Superman comics when you were a kid, do you recall the origin of yeah. Superman? He says, of course, the planet Krypton was about to blow up. A scientist and his wife placed their infant son in a little rocket ship and sent him to Earth. There he's discovered by the Kents who raise him as their own son. And with that, he stops, stares at me for, I, it was an eternity, and then says, your course is accredited. Wow! I am now, oh, that just made yeah. me so happy. I am now the world's first college professor of comic books. I can't believe I pulled it off. Hey, Matt, let me ask you something. This mm -hmm. time of year, um, it's, it's starting to get a little cold. It's, it's, it's heading into the winter months. Mm -hmm. um, uh, how, do you, how do you feel about the winter months? Uh, I'm not a fan. I'm cold. I, uh, I'm cold in July, let really? alone in October. You know, um, then, then I've got something that you're going to absolutely love. Mm -hmm. Yo Shirt, uh, the company that has brought you these, like, Really, really cool shirts and socks and all sorts of yeah, stuff. Yeah, you've got you that can, app. You can upload your own yeah, images you and get stuff printed. upload your image and get it printed right there. And you can do one-offs. They're so cool. They make so much cool stuff. But they invested in this technology that has created Sherpa blankets that are just extra plush. They're absolutely gorgeous. And they feel so nice to the touch. You have one. I got one for you. Yeah. Um, of it's your really face. Soft. It's your face. It is my face. I'm on a blanket on my bed, which is weird, but it's very yeah. soft. You, you know what? Uh, just as a quick side note, at uh, LA Comic Con, we had a, a couple of these made, one for each of us with our artwork mm -hmm. of, of our faces on it. And I gave one to Mike Black, mm -hmm. uh, who has been on our show. He's our announcer on the yep. show. 
And Mike Black was so tired at LA Comic Con after working so hard <laughs> for three straight days yes. on this thing, we found him fast asleep in a chair with his blanket of mm-hmm. his face wrapped around him. And I have never seen a cuter 40-year-old man <laughs> in my life. Uh, go to Yo Shirt on your phone. Go to the Google Play Store. Get it there. Go to, go to it on uh, the iPhone. You can get it there or on an iPad. Uh, upload it. Just Android play well. with it. Android every, everywhere. It's available everywhere. And, and just go and experiment and play with this thing. But I'm telling you right now, these Sherpa blankets are absolutely incredible. You should get one. They're gorgeous. They're going to keep you warm, Matt. They're going to well, keep you what warm. What if they want one of your face? If you want one of my face, you can grab the artwork from my Instagram and drop it right onto it. And I'll tell you what, you'll end up with uh, get to sleep with, with my big old giant hairy face so that's what you want out of your life i mean congratulations to you you know you're making good choices that's all i can say um so go to yoshirt.com check it out yoshirt on all the app stores yoshirt.com what school was this indiana university oh my god if you would have just left at that point yeah. Who knows? We might never have seen any of this. We might, we might yeah. not be here today. There might not even be such a thing as Comic-Con because that moment led to you being the passionate person about, I'm going to buy Batman and actually make this into a movie because that was sort of one of the big steps in making that happen. All right. You want the direct path now? Sure. Yeah, please. Yeah. Get ready. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's butterfly effect like you're not going to believe. Yeah. I'm oh, walking out of there. Yeah. Wait, Cloud wait, wait, nine. wait, wait. Hang on, hang on, yeah. hang on. Okay. You're going to film this one? I'm going to film you saying this. <laughs> <laughs> ready? Okay. So I walk out of there having successfully pitched the world's first college accredited comic course. I'm heading back to my apartment. I'm the happiest kid on the face of the earth. Sure. And then inside my head as I'm walking, I can hear my mom. I, she would say the same thing over and over again. Michael, you could have the greatest creative ideas in the world. But if you don't market yourself, mm-hmm. if you don't market them, no one will ever know about it. Mm-hmm. I'm a junior at Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana, which we call the oasis in the desert. Mm -hmm. Powerless. So figuring I have absolutely nothing to lose, (laughs) I picked up the telephone. And I called United Press International, which back then was as big a press syndicate as the Associated Press is today. I asked to speak to a reporter. The man gets on the phone, and I started screaming at him. (laughs) I said, what is wrong with you? You're not doing your job. You're supposed to be the watchdog of our society. This is outrageous. He goes, calm down. He goes, what are you talking about? I go, what am I talking about? Are you kidding me? I just heard there's a course on comic books being taught at Indiana University. I said, are you telling me as a taxpayer in this state they're using my money to teach our children comic books? I said, this has got to be a communist plot to subvert the youth of America. And I slammed down the phone. That's amazing. It took him three days to find out if there really was this course. And if so, who was the lunatic teaching it? He comes, knocks on my door, does an article. With pictures, it was a third of a page long. Uh, It gets picked up by virtually every newspaper in North America and a whole bunch in Europe. And guess what? My phone starts to ring and it never stops. (laughs) I get invited on radio talk shows, TV talk shows. When I started actually teaching the course, I never taught one session that wasn't filled with reporters and television cameras. Wow. NBC Nightly News, the CBS Evening News. I had one night I was teaching. I had four reporters in the front row. Um, 
Parade Magazine, <laughs> the fam- uh, yeah. Family Weekly, Sunday <laughs> Supplement, <laughs> Playboy, and Penthouse. Mm-hmm. This just like appealed to everybody. The, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess about two weeks goes by. My phone rings. It is this exuberant male voice. Mm-hmm. Hi, is this Mike Uselin? Uh, yeah. Hiya, Mike. This is Stan Lee from Marvel Comics <laughs> in wow. New York City. Oh wow. I call this my burning bush moment. I was talking to my God. He says, Mike, everywhere I look, I'm reading about you in newspapers. I'm watching you on TV. What you're doing is great for the whole comic book industry. How can I help you? Oh, man. And that began my adult relationship with Stan Lee as mentor, friend, mm-hmm. and eventually creative partner on things. Wow. Two hours later, my phone rings. And it's a very dour male voice, Mr. Uslan. Um, hi, I'm vice president of DC Comics in New York City. We publish Superman and Wonder Woman. And I go, yeah, I'm Batman, I know. <laughs> yeah. He goes, um, we've been listening to you on the radio and reading about you in magazines. We think you are a very innovative young man and would like to fly you to New York City and discuss ways we can work together. Whoa. Geek dream, geek dream. Yeah. I get hired by DC Comics. I go to work for them in the summers starting in 72. Uh, and they put me on retainer when I went back mm-hmm. to Indiana. Mm. So from there, who, the man who ushered me in was Vice President Saul Harrison. A few years later, he became the president of DC Comics. Yeah. And he was the man. The man who mentored me was the man I had to go back to and say, I want to buy the rights to Batman. Wow. Wow. So if it wasn't for standing my ground at the mm-hmm. course, if it wasn't for picking up the damn telephone and threatening a reporter, <laughs> none of this would have happened because you think DC Comics was going to sell the rights to Batman to any kid in his 20s yeah. who walked in the door? Yeah. They trusted me. He knew me. He knew about yeah. my love for comic books mm-hmm. and Batman that I would never do anything that DC would be embarrassed about or, 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 right. or feel badly about. And I had their trust. And I got it. That's amazing. Well, that, wow. Absolutely that's amazing. incredible. That's incredible. That was, <laughs> that was It's mind-blowing how you think about how those little things pushed you into a position where you had the opportunity yeah. to find that crack in a door to stick your foot in to really go after it. I mean, it's, it's really amazing. Yeah. So, so, you know what? I'm at Comic-Con you, and Q&A. Mm-hmm. You, oh, yeah. Go ahead. I have to bring something yeah. up to okay. you that and, you said and, to me the and, other night. You know, I'll get the question. Well, um, I don't understand how you made your dream come true. I would like to make my dream come true. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I go back. I say the same thing. Follow your, discover and follow your passion. Get up off the damn couch and mm-hmm. be proactive. And I thought that life, I thought the, ba- the Batman thing, I thought Hollywood were, was all going to be a war. Mm-hmm. And every day I would wake up, get dressed, and go to battle and fight a battle and fight a battle. It's not. It's a siege. <laughs> you need to dig a foxhole mm-hmm. and put your helmet on and hunker down. And the most important individual decision you'll ever make is who you let in the foxhole to watch your back. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm totally and right that's about my that. life's lesson. Oh man! Wow, that's oh, I got now. I got chills. <laughs> um, the other night we were talking about uh, high school reunion. You're you're going to your elementary school, or high school reunion. Both. Uh, these were the kids I went to school from kindergarten through twelfth grade with. And just just the you know to kind of cap this off, the 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 difference between following your dreams, 
going after your dreams and fighting really hard for them or or not is such a it's such a tricky thing you know because some some people they don't have the creativity to be able to to come up with the type of plan i mean to to pull a move like that off to to call a reporter and and not say hi i'm the guy who did this class but to say report it like it was a problem that's creative and that's that's very creative thinking and not everyone comes up with stuff like that and uh is it going to be an interesting thing, you know, seeing all these people that you went to school with? Like, are there other people that you went to school with that that succeeded like you similarly, or, or how how is that? Oh my to, God, to, yes. To go um, one of one of my fellow students in my class is considered one of the mothers of the internet. She did, read about her, Radia Perlman, uh, and what mm-hmm. she contributed. Did another one of my uh, great friends, Ira Biok is the leading guy in the country, if not the world, in palliative care and hospice. And you always see him on Nightline and CNN, and he's doing such great stuff. I'm just trying to entertain people for two hours at a time. These people are changing the world. They're doing important stuff. Well, you've changed the world as well. And, you know, like, just, uh, well, j- just seeing you in a crowd, it's just got to be so fucking bizarre to be... To be someone who has changed the world of entertainment in such a way, and then you're just walking around like uh, with everybody else, just like a regular, you're just a regular guy <laughs> walking around talking to people and wearing shirts. I would like you to know to that. Like, how are you not f- being flown by some sort of like a hover chair all <laughs> over the place? Like, people should be carrying you through the streets. First of all, the beauty of this is when you work behind a camera. You can go anywhere with your family yep. and not yeah. feel threatened or weird. Yeah. Um, it's changed over the last number of years because I've done so many documentaries and the DVD featurettes and things like that. And um, It's uh, just so cool. But it, it, it's, it's just great. I'm in my element. Poor Mark Hamill. You yeah. know, Mark desperately wants to come to Comic, Comic-Con. He's a hardcore he's a big fan. fan. Yeah. But he doesn't have... The luxury well, that he I could do. do what uh, Michael Dorn does in the movie Ted, where he wears a bad wharf costume and goes to <laughs> Comic Con, and then they just think he's like just cosplaying as wharf. Like, That's a really good wharf cosplay, and then they just think he's that. So Mark Hamill could dress up like Luke Skywalker and just sort of mess it up a little bit and be like, hey, look, I'm just a really good Mark Hamill cosplay. I refuse to answer that question <laughs> on the grounds that I may incriminate myself. <laughs> in, in talking about Bruce Wayne and how these are Bruce Wayne stories, and then I do look at your shirt, and it is, it is a Bruce Wayne type of attire where it's like the Batman is on the heart, but this is a Bruce Wayne look, in my opinion, for mm-hmm. somebody. And... Yeah, but I got Joker socks Down on. Down to the Joker so. socks. <laughs> I don't think you'd find Bruce Wayne wearing no. Joker socks. And let's not talk about underoos because yeah. we're, I'm wondering, we're just Ooh. not going Oh, there. a little bit of a Riddler <laughs> when it comes to the underoos. No. Okay. <laughs> very nice, very nice. So my question is, is like, what when casting one of the most important people in cinema story, in storytelling history, what are those Bruce Wayne attributes that you either do or do not have to play somebody like that? These are questions for the filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Part, uh, a part of the genius of Christopher Nolan is that he casts completely out of the box. He comes up with unexpected choices. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Gary Oldman, 
-hmm. was one of the most spectacularly weird and chameleon-like actors in all the roles he played. Yeah. yeah. And yet... Like Sid Vicious, right? Like. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then Chris casts him in the most human, mm -hmm. down-to-earth role of all. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, I thought for sure he would be a villain if they were ever going to use him in a Batman movie. I was like... They've got to use him as a villain at some point, you know. You could have asked everyone in Hollywood, every pro in Hollywood, to make a list of 20 actors they thought could play the Joker. Yeah. I don't think you would have found Heath Ledger's name on anybody's list. Nope. No. Wasn't yeah. on mine either as a, as a huge fan. And then once again, the fans went crazy. They yep. said, how can you have a gay cowboy play the Joker? He'll destroy mm -hmm. the role forever. Yeah. And then, of course, they never want anyone else to play yeah. it. Right. Um, when it came time for Catwoman in Dark Knight Rises... Yeah. The press and the fans were going, oh, there's one perfectly natural choice, Angelina Jolie. Mm -hmm. yeah. I knew that wasn't going to happen because Chris goes the unexpected way. Then when he announced Anne Hathaway, people go, the girl next door? Yeah. yeah. And then she delivered this incredible performance that I thought was channeling both Judy Garland and Audrey Hepburn. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, it, it was, it was, it was really... incredible. So it, it's that thing. Let, let, me, let me ask you one thing. I'm sorry to cut you off on this real quick, but because... Uh, you're also a producer now on the new stuff that they're doing as well. Are you still involved in most recent Justice League and then, and then what they're going to continue? As they continue down the road in the future with Batman, are you going to continue being involved with I Warner Brothers? I, look, I still have my role uh, in this. And to me, the question always comes down to what filmmaker are you bringing in? And the questions you have to ask is, does the filmmaker, male or female, love the character, mm -hmm. understand mm -hmm. the character, have a passion for the character? Does the filmmaker have a vision for the character that you ascribe to? And do you believe he or she has the ability to execute that vision? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's far more about that than specifically who's being cast in this role or that role. Of at, course. At least going into it. Yeah. So as somebody who has always been the fan of Batman because he is a superhero with no superpowers. Yeah. And his greatest superpower is his humanity. And I can identify so strongly with him. That's why I love the humanity and the down-to-earth part of the character and the fact that Bruce Wayne is the world's greatest detective, which we haven't mm -hmm. seen much of, right. that won my heart and soul, along with the villains in the car. Yeah. Um, if I want a flying suit of armor with repulsor rays, I'll go to an Iron Man movie. Mm -hmm. Sure, yeah. of course. If I want the humanity, I want to see Batman in action. Yeah. And guys, I'm old, obviously. <laughs> I got the white hair to prove it. I'm, and that means I'm old school. So for me, movies today, I honestly don't give a damn about blowing stuff up and showing off the latest special effects. Yeah. To me, I, there's 10 Michael rules to making a successful movie. Number one, story. Mm -hmm. Number two, story. Number three, story. Four, story. Five, story. Six, character. Seven, character. Eight, character. Nine, story. Ten, story. <laughs> and I think that's really what it all, always all boils down to. Makes sense. And as long as nobody in the higher circles of life get too caught up in the world of toys and games and Happy Meals... And just concentrates on committed filmmakers who can make great movies. You'll sell toys anyway. Yeah. Yep. Um, that's the magic. That is the magic.
I love it. All right. Well, we got to wrap things up. Uh, where where can people find you if they want to l- look into more stuff about you? Uh, they can find me at um, Market Street and Fifth. Uh, oh, wonderful. <laughs> are you are you on Twitter, Instagram, any of that stuff? You stay off no, the social I, media. I do. I do, do have, have a website. I do have a a, a site on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but I kind of let my son, David, as my producing should. partner. Yeah. Uh, run with all of that stuff. Good, and that's the way we—that's uh, the way we operate. But the bottom line, despite the white hair, you're looking at a 12-year-old kid mm-hmm. <laughs> who believes he's somewhere between 18 and 22. And like Dracula, I have to avoid every mirror <laughs> because that's when it shatters the illusion. And I go, oh, my yeah. God, it's my grandpa. Um, I don't and, know what your business card says, but if it doesn't say Batman Evangelist on it, I think you're doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> that seems to be what you are. Yes. Or just Batman's Batman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that as, would be a great business card. Yeah. Batman's Thank Batman. you. Thank I you, guys. Them. You know, uh, I do a lot of interviews, mm-hmm. and most of the interviews I do are with reporters and people who really do not know and love comics and, yeah. and this whole thing. So to have the privilege of uh, doing this with you guys, where, man, the questions are great, and you mm. understand the points mm-hmm. that are being made. This was one of the great moments for me this weekend, so thank oh, you for thank you. Oh, you're kidding me. This is one of the best Comic Con moments for me that ever. That quote's going on our website. Yes, yeah. it is. <laughs> Put it on the website, man. <laughs> and hang on. It's already on the website. Uh, Mike Black, where can people find you on the social uh, media? I am all over social media, at Mike Black Attack. Yes, you are. What about uh, you, Mr. Glazer? I'm on Instagram and Twitter, at Glazer Boohoohoo, and this was one of the most important conversations I've ever been a part of. This yeah. feels incredible. So it was amazing. Uh, Mr. Walker, where can people find you? You can find links to everything at funnymat.com or if you would like to uh, fight with me about uh, how I should not love the old Batman TV series, uh, you can let me know at mattwalkersucks.com. You can always get me at Stephen Glickman, S-T-P-H-E-N Glickman on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to the Nighttime Show podcast and uh, leave comments and love and share with your friends. Uh, Michael Uslin, you are a phenomenal man and uh, an incredible uh, buddy for coming Thanks, to do this. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Thanks so much. I got to tell you, uh, Matt, um, as we wrap things up, uh, that is hands down probably one of my favorite interviews we've ever done. It's so inspiring. It really is, man. And it, you know what? It, it's, been, it's been a month since we did this interview mm-hmm. at San Diego Comic-Con, and, and his story about his life has followed me for the full month mm-hmm. I have talked to more people about this interview than I've talked to about lots of things that, yeah. that have happened because it it's so impactful and I've just felt like, man, if this guy stuck to it, he stuck to his guns the whole way through and he like wouldn't take no for an answer and, and like, he was fought. like, I'm gonna make a dinosaur cartoon with aliens and whether yeah. you like it or not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, he is he is. He's a fascinating, <laughs> cool guy. Thanks a lot for listening to the show, guys. Hopefully we'll have Michael Uslin back sometime real soon. Oh, I'd love that. So uh yep. Uh, keep on being awesome. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.